Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Rufus Rundown Podcast, Season 4, still, until, at least until January 1st, we can stick with Season 4, Episode 13, look at number 13, I think this might be the longest season we've had, I mean, not that that's a huge brag with it only being 13, but I, you know, I was setting out for, you know, weekly uploads and that clearly didn't work out this year, but here we are. Season four, episode thirteen. Uh, no picks this week to to really go over. My picks have really been terrible, at least in terms of like the pool and whatever I've really put out there since the first week. It's been pretty miserable. It's been pretty bad. So, no picks to go over, but we do have a lot to cover. NFL week fifteen, as well as the World Cup. Um, the World Cup final, probably one of the most exciting World Cup finals we've you know ever seen. One of the greatest soccer games, football games um, we've ever seen, and probably one of the most exciting, wild, um, and chaotic weekends that we've seen in the NFL in a very long time. So uh, a lot to get into here. Uh, we're gonna start right off with the phone calls. We're gonna head straight to the phone lines, and then uh, from there I'm gonna go through pretty much the NFL week. Uh, some games we're going to get into more in depth than others, but we're gonna we're gonna go right to the phone lines and get some reactions here uh, to this week in the NFL. Here we go with the first call, uh, first call in a long time actually. First time we're back to the voicemail on the show. Uh, shout out Drew Lawrence. Drew Lawrence called in a while back, but I wasn't able to get to it um, in terms of final season and how I got busy in the college football playoff, but. Obviously, George is in it, so he's happy, so he's good with that. So, shout out him. He didn't make a call, uh, but we got a couple of calls here, and here comes the first one. Look, boss, my name is Anthony. You know me, your boy. But uh, shout out, as Mom. a Jets fan, I would really appreciate it if you suck dicks over in New England. <laughs> Keep Matt Patricia. Because the moment we have a, a competent quarterback that actually knows what the fuck's going on, it's done for. It's up. We will put you in the ground. But we're supposed to finally, after all these years of pain, suffering, fertility. That's all I gotta say. Fuck that, Patricia. Fuck the Patriots. Good luck, boss. <laughs> I mean, I think Jets fans should be Matt Patricia fans at this point, considering how poor uh, the offensive play calling and creativity is. I mean, I go look no further uh, than this week's game against the Raiders, where. Any time it's been first and goal inside the five this year against the Raiders, they've given up 14 touchdowns in 14 opportunities. And the Patriots were the first team to not punch in for touchdown. They wasted two timeouts, false started, just 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 missed missed plays, missed play calls, just bad scheme, bad creativity, and just just nothing, just nothing. So, two timeouts wasted. They settle for the field goal. And it ends up obviously coming back to bite them. That, amongst many things, which we'll get into uh, with that game. But, uh, Morrow, Anthony Morrow, thank you for the call. That is one of my college football teammates. One of my favorite teammates ever. One of the first guys I've actually met in, like, any relation to Dean College and Dean College football. So, shout out, Morrow. Thanks for the call. Next up, looks like we're going to go to Owen. It was another one of my teammates, and we're going to go to that call right now. Hey, Lucas, it's Owen. Listen, man, the Patriots, I don't even know. All right, 
it's miscommunication, players trying to do more than they're supposed to, you know, just end the game, you know, three seconds left. It's, it's, it's just crazy to think that even in the NFL, players aren't thinking of the team as itself. They're trying to be the hero and try to win the game themselves. Like Jacoby Myers, why throw it? Mac wasn't even open. He didn't even get to Mac. He threw it straight to Chandler Jones. Same with Stevens. Like, why would you pitch it back? Just go out of bounds. End the game. Go to go to overtime. Then try to win it in overtime. Yeah, the the pitchy pitchy woo woo, as Scott Van Pelt would call it. Which, God, is that funny? It, it's it's hilarious. It's it's my. That's one of the most tragic endings, um, to a professional sporting event that I've ever seen. Like it was miserable. I have no idea what what the plan was there. But I think that it's just been so stale there in New England for so long that these players took it amongst themselves and didn't really understand the moment too much. I think, you know, panic obviously said it, but I think they were trying to do too much, obviously. And it, it just turns into this this miserable affair that we've never seen before, like in this Belichick era. Like we've never seen players just doing their own thing like that. And Owen kind of referenced it in terms of some stuff that goes on within our team and why our team has struggled. Stuff that I won't get too in-depth with. But, yeah, we see it firsthand at our level. And, and in that guy's doing their own things. It, it hurts the team big time. guys. And, and that's the same thing at the professional level. It, the, obviously, doing their own thing. This was not the play call. This is not what they were told to do. It was a ginormous lapse in judgment um, by the Patriots personnel. Now, the Stevenson thing, why he decided to pitch it, not too sure. Uh, didn't look like it was kind of like, didn't really look like he pre-set it up, but he never really truthfully tucked it away. He kind of pulled it out and started to fumble it. I don't know if his thought process was, like, instead of losing the fumble, he's going to pitch it back, which didn't really make any sense because reality was the game was over. Just just take it to overtime. It's a tie game. All this being said, by the way, I had the Patriots plus two and a half. Um, <laughs> clearly that didn't hit. Terrible bad beat. But just, I, I, I was speechless. I still cannot truthfully comprehend. Uh, Jacoby Myers said he was trying to do too much, playing hero ball. You know, and if I can find that comment by Jacoby Myers, I will play it on the show. Um, if I can actually download it and find it, um, I'm gonna I'll, I'll have the Scott Van Pelt clip. The Scott Van Pelt clip will be here with his description of pitchy pitchy woo woo. And now, if you are involved, you know that the play is called pitchy pitchy woo woo, and you know that pitchy pitchy woo woo is a catastrophe because they're going to go the wrong way, and then inevitably something horrible will happen, ah! and it does. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Uh oh, it's picked off. Uh oh, oh no! Unbelievable! Oh wow! Incredible! Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. Which I, there's, I mean, this has been such a tragic event to the sporting world in terms of just how bad and baffling it was. Like they still haven't come up with a name for it. Like pitchy pitchy woo woo is just like what we describe as what like the Miami vehicle paying off but like this pitch back thing like I, I I don't know I I really I mean I'll try to get more in depth with it 
you know, as we as we delve into that game and what happened, because there's a lot that went wrong for the Patriots. There's the, the lack of execution inside the red zone, which has been a just common, common thing for this team. The blocked punt with Jabril Peppers, where there was miscommunication with the game clock and the block punt, and I, exponentially, it's seventy-five percent plus your chances of win, like your chance of losing the football game um, when you have a punt that's blocked. I mean, the defense came up with a pick six, and that was a huge uh, swing of momentum for the Patriots because the Raiders just continued to punt after that. And, I mean, the Patriots really battled adversity, arguably. The touchdown catch that was or wasn't a catch, considering whether it was in or out of bounds. Listen, I, I, I just, I just don't think there's enough like definitive enough angle. Call it a touchdown. I'm gonna call it a touchdown. You call it incomplete. I'd say it's incomplete. Like I just don't think there's enough evidence to really turn it either way. Which, considering how much technology the NFL has, I think that's strange, strange to say the least. You know, um, you have all. You, all the technology in the world, and it's still not enough. I mean, the picture was really, really clean. I mean, people think it is a catch, really think it is a catch. I mean, I mean, reality is, is that whatever the way it was called is what it is, because there's just not enough evidence to overturn it. But just, just missing execution all over the place for the New England Patriots, and that was one of the worst disasters I've ever seen. And yeah, that's that's why you go back to Morrow's call. Um, and just why he's happy to see everything going on here as a Jets fan. Both teams seven and seven. Um, unfortunate Mike White's out. Zach Wilson, you know, he looked pretty good, and then he, you know, looked bad at times, which has pretty much been the story for Zach Wilson. But but we'll see. I mean, the Jets still have a pretty good chance at making the playoffs, uh, as do the Patriots, depending on how they sort out their troubles to finish out this season. So, you know, we'll see. I, if I'm a Jets fan, I probably feel a little more confident than the Patriots fans. But we'll see. Owen, thank you for the call. Thank you so much for the call. And we'll move on to our last call of the episode. Lucas, it's rock, man. You got to put me on, bro. What is, what's good with my bucks? How do we get back to being great? Is Tom part of the future? Like, what are we doing here? You got to give me something. Something to look forward to, my man. Give me something. Where, where, where's the issue? What's the problem? How do we fix it? I mean, I think you're going to look. That right, and first of all, Rocco, thank you for the call. Um, I, I think, first of all, you're going to look at the offensive line as a major issue for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, it's been injuries. It's just been performance. Tom has been under pressure. It has not looked good. There has there's a lack of focus and execution as well too, and I think that comes down to um, coaching. I, I I know that people aren't huge fans of Todd Bowles. I know that Rocco himself is not um, the caller. There's not a huge fan of Todd Bowles um, by any means. But I mean, they were up 17 nothing in this game against the Bengals. I mean, I mean, there's really no excuse to go and lose that game. Tom Brady 89 and 0 when leading by 17 or more points at any point in the game. Um, now 89 and one, I mean, quite, couldn't quite get to 90. No, uh, head scratching game. The late touchdown really didn't mean anything. It was you no, know, by the way, that didn't actually relate to any spreads unless you're moving money with multiple, uh, multiple games. It was just a super strange game. And I think again, it came down to special teams miscues, at least specifically to this game. Um, when you run a fake punt and either the guy that you're running the fake punt to, 
is oblivious and doesn't know he's getting the ball, like he didn't get the communication, or you didn't tell the guy that is getting the football that you're running the fake to him. That's going that presents an issue. That is going to cause problems. You're up seventeen nothing. There's really no need um, to go with a fake punt. Just keep rocking it out. I don't know why they decided to do it. They're winning in all three phases of the football game. And it's the same thing as a blocked punt. You're at, like any time that you have a gaff on your punt team, your chances of winning decrease exponentially, and your chances of losing increase exponentially. I, I, it was I don't understand the fake punt call, and if you're gonna do it, like again, you gotta if, if it's this this is the case, you gotta let the guy you're giving the ball to know. You're running the fake. I like. I can't believe I have to say that. I also can't believe I have like people have to say like, "Hey, you don't do pitchy pitchy woo woo when it's high game. With no time left in the fourth. You just run the clock out and go to overtime. Like, or hail mary, anything, anything that isn't pitchy woo woo, um, anything that isn't running a fake. Like, just why are you running a fake punt in general when you're up seventeen nothing and the game's going incredibly well? I mean, the Bengals had like no yards, nothing. They had no form of offense. The defense playing well. The pass rush was good coverage was good and then Carlton Davis had a very bad day when it got into these short field situations Joe Burrow picked him apart Jamar Chase touchdown T Higgins touchdown Tyler Higgins uh, I'm sorry Tyler Boyd touchdown like just all the whole just loaded Bengals receiving core um proceeded to have a day once the the Buccaneers you know they they screw up the fake punt and then proceed to just start turning the ball over interceptions Tom Brady's under pressure I mean the future's really not too I mean like I can't I mean I, I don't care for the Buccaneers as a Saints fan personally but I mean what do you have to look forward to I mean the fact that you have Tom Brady as your quarterback regardless um of any we've added motivation this year as well but regardless uh Chris Godwin's getting healthier regardless of anything though like literally anything like the team is what it is right Fournette hasn't been as good the coaching Everything has been an issue. You still have Tom Brady as your quarterback, and that speaks to more than any of the rest of them. You have the best quarterback in the NFC South, so you're still going to contend for that conference. Uh, I'm sorry, not for that, for that divisional title, which means you're a seed one through four, and you're going to have a home playoff game to get you know, to get yourself settled against a wild card team that you know very well could be 500 or below. It could be the Commanders. It could be the Giants. Um, these are teams that you could be seeing in that first round, which are very beatable opponents for Tom Brady and his team. Is you know, even though the record just doesn't really show it, uh, but it really comes down to the protection for Tom and separation for the receivers. I think it goes hand in hand. If Tom doesn't have time to throw, receivers can't find separation, um, and if receivers can't you know create separation. Chris Godwin's trying to get healthy. Russell Gage, I mean, they've dealt with some injuries in the receiver core. Um, if they can't create separation, they're just you can't block well enough, regardless of whether your receivers are open or not, and that's a problem. Uh, is Tom Brady a part of the future? I, I don't particularly think so, um, considering that he's, like, he just doesn't have the tools there anymore. Obviously, um, the offense has not been what it is, uh, or what it was expected to be, and what it has been. Um, the defense is clearly not still on that level. There's, the, I, I, but I really think it comes down to coaching and the atmosphere in the locker room um, is where it at. He doesn't look like the same guy, and he's not going to be. But he has weapons around him. 
Uh, the backfield has not been ideal, but the offensive line, I think the offensive line is the biggest gaping issue that you have uh, with that football team. And then coaching being the second biggest thing in the atmosphere in that locker room. Because it just, if when teams who do not, you know, play well in the second half are bad practicing teams and they're just bad mental teams. And I just, that's, that's uncommon for Brady, but I think it comes down to, you know, a team mentality as a whole. And I think that comes down to, uh, to coaching. And I just don't think the Todd Bowles is it. Uh, what you have to look forward to is that Leftwich is there, but still not a good look for him to be a part of that locker room in there. Um, Again, you still have a lot of weapons there. Godwin Evans, if you decide to go quarterback, I mean, Wirfs is going to get healthy eventually. So, I mean, you still have some pieces on that O-line, but starting to age, um, I think the positive is that you did get the Super Bowl. You still have weapons at wide receiver. You still have some defensive weapons as well in the secondary and a pass rusher in Barrett. And Vitavea as well. So, I mean, you still have some very um, core pieces on each side of the ball, but the big thing being the quarterback position in the offensive line as to where you really have to start to solidify to rebuild that championship-caliber team. Again, I just want to say thank you to everybody who called in. Um, each of those calls you will see featured on social media, uh, and my responses to each of them will be featured on social media. I do want more calls, more engagement, so I'm really looking for in terms of and just interaction. I just think it builds the show more, being able to respond to stuff, especially getting to live shows. Um, anytime people feel involved, they're going to want to listen more and be a part of this more. So much appreciated the support and the phone calls from you guys. Hopefully I can provide some form of insight uh, to what you guys had to say. Do enjoy listening to them. Do enjoy getting them. You know, three right off the top of the show. Very, very good. Now... NFL week 15 we're leading into the Christmas week where the schedule gets all weird and teams are playing on Saturday and we have a couple games on Christmas on Sunday starting off 49ers Seahawks Seahawks drop to 7 and 7 49ers move to 10 and 4 and clinch the west uh you expected it to be a very look I expected to be a very competitive division out there in the NFC West it was not this year the Seahawks were a surprise team but you know Geno Smith um has you know not I mean, yeah, falling off. He really has fallen off from the pace that he was on. Uh, another big game for McCaffrey, over 100 yards in a rushing touchdown on the ground. George Kittle catching two touchdowns, which is a pretty good deal for him. He's been all over the map this season in terms of his productivity. You know, in terms of how much they throw to him, they ran the little double pump fake tight end release. They also got him down the sideline. Uh, looked very, very good. McCaffrey added 30 receiving yards as well. Uh, here's the deal. That San Francisco defense is legit. And Brock Purdy, you know, he looks like he's just good enough. 217 yards, you know, 17 of 26, two touchdowns. Pass rating 117. I mean, it beats out Geno Smith's night. Geno Smith had any pass rating. So, I mean... Listen, he, he he has, I mean, it's only a couple games. There's going to be more film out on him. Teams are going to prepare for him differently. They're going to see different defensive coordinators with, you know, different zone schemes, different man schemes, different blitz packages. Like, there's a whole there's a whole lot for them, you know, in terms of what they're going to have to deal with and Brock Purdy um, in terms of how teams are going to prepare for them and how he's going to respond to that. But 
he's looked the part so far. He just doesn't make, he hasn't made mistakes yet. Not that he doesn't. I mean, he still could. But that's going to be the, the big name of the game of Brock Purdy and the Niners and how far they can go is if he doesn't make mistakes. And this isn't a thing we're getting to playoffs and you're waiting for Jimmy G to get healthy. I think if Brock continues to play at this level, you just ride with the kid. I mean, they really have found a gem. When's he going to start to look like the last pick in the draft? Is that a thing? Or is he comfortable enough, mature enough in the position that he's in? Has he learned enough um, that he have the right amount of time? I mean, they're, they're big fans of that building. Uh, a lot of guys say that he has the it factor. And it looks, I mean, they got to be one of the, I don't care who the quarterback is. They got to be one of the Super Bowl favorites. They have talent all over the field. A healthy Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, McCaffrey, Kittle, plus that defense that they have. Like, there's really, really no other way around them being one of the Super Bowl favorites. Um, re- that's impressive, impressive road win for the 49ers. And, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. Solid, solid start from Brock Purdy. And like I said, Niners clinching that NFC West divisional crown are going to try and compete for that one seed. More realistically, the two seed in that NFC conference. Next up, we got Colts Vikings. Now, this is one I threw the post out there on social media calling the Vikings frauds. I mean, they have like the lowest point differential of any eleven and three team ever since like the merger. Like it's like the Vikings, like statistically, are not a very good football team. Like they just they. They win a lot of close games, which you can say what you want about it, like if they're just lucky or if they just bear down and win the close ones. Um, a lot can be said. 7-1 at home, 11-3 overall now. they <laughs> It's the largest comeback in NFL history. Kirk Cousins throws 50-plus times for 460 yards and four touchdowns. Dalvin Cook almost runs for 100, adds another big play in terms of uh, the receiving game, K.J. Osborne, 10 catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. I, I mean, just an absolutely ridiculous football game. I looked at 33 nothing. I put the post, I put the post up there saying, you know, fraud alert. It's been my thing. Um, no, the Vikings are frauds. Quite clearly, the Vikings are frauds. And... And they just, they do the damn thing. Dalvin Cook adds another 100 yards to receiving a touchdown. Thielen catches a touchdown. Justin Jefferson over 100 yards and a touchdown again. K.J. Osborne, like I already said, 157 yards and a touchdown. Just Matt Ryan is now responsible for two of the biggest choke jobs I've ever seen. It doesn't totally lie on the arm, like on the on the shoulders, of, of the quarterback of his football team, but good, good Lord. I mean, Jeff Saturday, it looked like everything was going all so well. Not so fast, my friend. Like, I, I just, what happened? What happened? Uh, I mean, Kirk got sacked seven times. They, 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 they still, they still found a way. I, I, I truthfully do not, I don't get it. I, I truthfully do not understand how they managed to do it, how they continue to do it. But, hey, at the end of the day, just win, baby. And, and that's what the Vikings are doing. They have a loaded offense. Their defense is not there. 
is not there. But their offense is just loaded with dudes. Thielen, Jefferson, Osborne up there for some of the best trios in terms of receivers in the league competing with Cincinnati. I don't think they're on Cincinnati's level, but they're very, very close. Uh, Dalvin Cook and even Madison out of the backfield. No, Madison's a solid backup to Dalvin Cook. And primetime Kirk Cousins somehow, some way, gets the job done. And it just, it, again, the Vikings clinched the NFC North. And they're an 11 3 football team with like a point differential of zero. It doesn't make sense. The NFL is broken. So then we move on to the Lamar Jacksonless Ravens. It, this is one we don't even really have to go over that much. Um, it, it hurts the Ravens in terms of, you know, like the divisional crown. That's like, it, it does sting in that sense. And it helps Lamar. If, if, it, if it helps anybody, Lamar being hurt helps Lamar because, I mean, yeah, yeah, so obviously it elevates the Bengals to the top of that, that division. But it, yeah, <laughs> it helps Lamar because... They understand that without Lamar, there's not much going on uh, with this team, with this franchise. So they they need him to lead the offense and lead the way. Just, uh, (laughs) I mean, three points. They put up three points. Brutal. Absolutely, absolutely brutal. Only, only putting up three points on the board in a game that you need to, you know, to really keep that division lead or compete for it. They dropped a nine and five. Now, J.K. Dobbins, I think if there's any positive in that, putting up over a hundred yards, I, I think that's a positive. Huntley not being able to get going on the ground, that that's a problem. And obviously not throwing the football. I mean, 138 yards plus the interception. Sean Watson not looking too great either. I mean, it's not like the Browns look that good. Like, the Ravens' defense played very well. I mean, any, any game we were allowed 13 points. Uh, really not acceptable to lose, but when your backup quarterback's in, that's when the question marks start hitting. I don't really think Tyler Huntley's that bad, but, you know, I've, I mean, I liked what I saw from him last year, but now you look at it and, eh, three points in a game. We, we you're, All you have to do is beat 13. Like, you should be able to. With Justin Tucker, I mean, Justin Tucker missed the kick. And he's getting kicks blocked. It was just very, very, very unlucky game for Baltimore. Very unlike them. Nick Chubb with about 100 yards on the ground. Amari Cooper, a couple grabs there. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the lone touchdown of the game for the Browns. Deshaun Watson, again, really hasn't impressed yet in a, in, in a Browns uniform for me. I don't know if he's still trying to adjust. I mean, he's had plenty of time to learn the offense. He was suspended for plenty of long time, I and mean, I'm sure... He was trying, I assume he's trying to learn the offense. I'd rather him learn the offense than get massages, but who knows what was going on there. Not much to talk about here. Bengals moved to the top of that division with the Ravens losing. Cleveland Browns stay in the playoff hunt. There's still a chance that all the AFC North teams can still make it in, much like the AFC East. So we'll see what the future holds for the Browns and the Ravens as well. Next up, we got Bills, Dolphins, and this was pretty much a playoff game. It's what it felt like. Um, it was cold. It was snowing. Fans were throwing snowballs. Um, the Dolphins players wished it were colder. They were embracing the cold, and they went in there. They ran the football well. 
Salvin Ahmad, six carries, 43 yards. He, you know, he scampered into the end zone. Reem Mostert, over 100, and he had 136 yards, well over. Um, he had eight yards per carry. Ahmed added seven yards per carry. That's good. That's effective running of the football. And, you know, Miami led for a good chunk of this game. They started off the third quarter very well. Buffalo had the battle all the way back. Tua looked very good. 17-30, two touchdowns. Uh, all things considered the weather. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle both getting into the end zone. Waddle 114 yards and you know, three catches. Nine catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown for Tyree Kill. Both of your wide receiver ones getting into action. And, you know, it's a tough one to lose. The Dolphins have been sliding. I still think they're a legit team. They competed all the way. I think that's a really solid loss for them if they can maintain that locker room. They have to. And on the other hand, it's a great win for the Bills to maintain the one seed. Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things. Four touchdowns, 300 yards to the air. An additional 77 on the ground. Like he lead, leads in rushing. Uh, James Cook looking pretty good in terms of um, being a rookie, adding a touchdown reception on that great play by Josh Allen. Hines got in the end zone as well. Quentin Morris, uh, Dawson Knox, almost 100 yards receiving for the tight end. You know, Diggs, Gabe Davis, kind of just. You know, in there, Diggs was really looking for the ball. But Miami did a pretty good job in terms of controlling how much Josh Allen got the football to him. But Josh Allen, once again, just pretty much put the Buffalo Bills on his back and said, "We're I'm taking you to the promised land. And that's exactly what he did. Just did Superman-style stuff. Tyler Bass hits the walk-off kick. Um, I, I, you know, I think Miami, you know, kind of got stiffed a little bit with that late pass interference call. I don't, I don't know if there's enough there to make that call. This, I, I really think this would have been even better if this was an overtime game. It's not the case, but Miami's still hanging on there in the playoff picture. This is a playoff football team. This is a football team that can make a run somewhat deep into the playoffs, in my personal opinion. Um, they have. I think they have enough defensive weapons, and I think that they have enough efficiency on offense to do it. Um, I like what I've seen from Tua so far and having two receivers like Waddle and Tyree Kill that's just you it's tough to hang with that defensively um, but the Bills did a solid job the conditions all things considered again just Superman performance from Josh Allen really not much else uh, to touch on here other than a pretty good you know rookie performance and a pretty good week for the Cook brothers all things considered Next up, we're going to move on to the Sunday slate. So we got the Thursday games, and we had the Saturday games. The three Saturday games, the Thursday game. Now the Sunday slate. It started off Eagles-Bears. Eagles moving to 13-1, and undefeated on the road. They win by five over the Bears. Bears cover that 8.5-point spread. Um, Jalen Hurts. It was, it was not a good look for Philly early, but Jalen Hurts really took over later. Uh, it's looking like he's going to be out for a couple weeks uh, with a shoulder injury, two interceptions, no touchdowns, but still over 300 yards passing and added three touchdowns on the ground with a couple of sneaks. Uh, 61 yards of rushing to lead the way with 17 carries. A couple of them are sneaks, a couple of them are scrambles, and then obviously a couple of them being designed quarterback run plays. And you want to talk about quarterback run plays, Justin Fields, two touchdowns to the air, they were you know, 14 and 21, 152 yards passing. 
adding 95 yards on the ground with that incredible run where he broke multiple tackles, broke out of the sack, and got down the sideline towards the end zone where they would eventually score. Uh, David Montgomery had a touchdown, had two touchdowns, one receiving, one rushing, and Byron Pringle got in the end zone as well too. That one was really to cover the spread late. Uh, if, if you're the Bears, you want to continue to lose like this. You want to continue to lose the close ones, but in a good way with a very, very talented player at the quarterback position. And then the Eagles just keep on chugging along. You'd like to start seeing him, you know, get back in that blowout train. And it's going to be, you know, Gardner Minshew is going to be the guy now. Uh, for like, They're looking at a week to two. You know, they had the Cowboys coming up. And just considering the 13 and one, they, they they might just be you know precaution like as a precaution sitting out Jalen Hurts, I think says a lot in terms of their confidence confidence in terms of what they're they have going forward towards the playoffs and man even what they might think of the Dallas Cowboys that might be a little incentive for the Cowboys throw up there in the bulletin board but the Eagles have a legit defense a legit pass rush they got to Justin Fields six times you know so. Hertz is his MVP odds shifted since that injury was announced. If he is going to be out for that amount of time, uh, but Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. They have a defense with the pass rush. They have a solid secondary. They have a, they have a solid defense all the round. They have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, the receiver, and they have a solid running game, especially with Jalen Hurts included with Miles Sanders. He's over a thousand yards this year as well. Um, there really is nothing slowing down this Philadelphia team other than. An injury to their starting quarterback in Jalen Hurts. So we'll see what the future holds. I, like I say, if the, the Bears there, you want to continue to keep losing that way. Um, build your draft capital, but lose good, solid, hard-fought games with your talented player doing incredible things that entire game. Like I said, Eagles going to be without Jalen Hurts for a period of time. And this is a game where I had, I think I had, I had the Bears. I had them at least covering the spread, not the win. But covering the spread, very, very entertaining game, if I must say. So, no, Eagles 13-1. Obviously, they got that NFC East on lock the rest of the way this season. I, I, I think they can still, I think they can still possibly, possibly still lose it to the Cowboys. I, I know the Cowboys can play, but I don't know if the Eagles have clinched the division yet, but they clinched their playoff spot for sure. And we've got Falcons Saints up next. Both teams now five and nine after the Saints win by three, four and a half point spread. Oh, by the way, Falcons score there late to spoil that for anybody who was playing around with the spreads. Jawan Johnson two touchdowns for the Saints, as well as I believe Rashid. I want to say yep, yep, Rashid, Rashid Shahid. Out of a big touchdown play to the 68-yarder from Taysom Hill. And he dialed 11-17, 150 yards, two touchdowns. That's what he's going to give you on a good day, and that's what you got to take for the Saints. And their defense held up, uh, making some big plays throughout the game, and especially late. Demario Davis uh, doing his thing with, with eight tackles. Uh, just making really all of them flying around. Tyron Matthew had a sack as well, two pass breakups. Alante Taylor played well, almost had that pick as well to his first career. Um, but it was overruled, uh, or overturned, I should say. Um, over Obviously, Tyler Algier for the Falcons looked pretty good. 
I, I was expecting to see more movement from Desmond Ritter. He threw for under 100 yards. I think he completed 50% of his passes. I was expecting Ritter to move around a lot more. Was not the case. Uh, Cordell Patterson got in the end zone. Tyler Algier, 139 yards. Averaged 8.2 yards per carry and a touchdown. Not something you see that often against this Saints defense. They really don't allow rushers to go for over 100. They're normally very stout on the ground. Drake London adding seven catches for 70 yards. As a Juwan Johnson, tight end. Two touchdowns for the Saints. Uh, Lave added another 50 yards and three catches. It, was, it, it wasn't it was a big throwing day for the Saints, just unless you're throwing to the tight end. Uh, the big play coming from Taysom Hill. And both teams still alive in the division. Falcons dropped a 1-6 in the road. Saints 4-4 four four at home. Uh, both teams still very alive and well in the division. I don't see these teams competing for that wild card spot considering the records and where they've played. Whoever's going to make it out of the South is going to make it out of the division. It's going to be you know, that gross four seed. But reality is both teams still in the hunt for that. And it's a huge boost for the Saints with this win late in the season over the rival Falcons again. Little upset. Was expecting a little more out of Desimeter's debut. Or at least the movement. A lot of these quarterbacks, they're running all over the place. That was that was Desmond Ritter as well, and he has the athleticism to do it. Uh sacked four times. So we'll see you know how he responds and what they can get out of him the rest of the way. Next up, Lions, Jets. This was an entertaining football game. The Lions are now six and one in their last seven after starting one and six. They are now seven and seven, and pretty much walk off touchdown with the uh, the tight end leak play. Jared Goff dumping it off to Brock Wright. Brock Wright's the name there of the tight end, right? Brock Wright, yeah, Brock Wright. One catch, fifty-one yards, touchdown. Fourth and inches for the W. For the Detroit Lions, Jared Goff, 23 of 38, 252 yards and a touchdown. Just, you know, you're, pre, you're, you're running the middle of Jared Goff game going around. DeAndre Swift had a couple carries there. Jamal Williams uh, wasn't doing too much on the ground. Wasn't an explosive day for the Lions, but they found uh, the one explosive play through Brock Wright and through that little tight end leak on fourth and inches to get the job done. Zach Wilson the other way actually looked pretty good. 317 yards, you know, only 18 at 35. You like to see a better completion percentage. And he threw a terrible interception. But he looked so good at times. He really did look so good at times. Uh, the run game was not there for the New York Jets. It was stopped up. Garrett Wilson almost another uh, 100 yards. CJ Uzama with the two touchdown grabs. I, I, again, just, uh, it's tough to see. It's tough. Tough, 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 tough to see for the New York Jets, considering you know where they were at this point in the season. Uh, I feel bad for Mike White. Mike White had you know a opportunity there, and, and he you know busts up his ribs, tries to hang in there, and he goes back to Zach Wilson. You know what, Zach Wilson? You know I was rooting for the kid. I was hoping he'd come back and respond. Um, and I and I wouldn't say he totally did that, but he didn't throw his chances away. If he does get another start on on Thursday here, and Mike White's not good to go, you know I think he did do enough to deserve at least that. Where they're not going to rush Mike White back and have him play injured. But this is a huge win for the Lions. Big Dan Campbell fan. I'm glad they're playing well. They're one of the hottest, if not the hottest team in the NFL, being six and one. 
in their last seven. This is a playoff football team, especially considering if they do win out, it's going to be a tough one uh, coming up with some divisional opponents for the Detroit Lions. I know they still have the Packers left to play in these last three weeks. They have Carolina, who's not a good team at all. Then they're home against Chicago, but then they have to travel to Green Bay to finish it out. That one very well could be to make the playoffs. And again, it's where I I expect the Lions uh, to make the playoffs in this NFC picture. As you know, the and the Jets on the other hand, you know they're trying to hang in there in the AFC picture. That's looking very very difficult to crack right now. And their remaining schedule isn't exactly too kind to them either with some divisional games left to play. I think they're better off than the Patriots. That's not saying much. Got to play Jacksonville this Thursday. Who's If it's not the Lions, it's the Jags that are the hottest team in the league. Then you have to travel to Seattle. Geno Smith revenge game. And then you have to travel to Miami. Jets are not making the playoffs. They're not. They're not. The New York Jets are not making the playoffs. That's just the reality of the situation. We will not see the Jets in the playoffs this year. But it was a great game. It was a great game between the Jets and the Lions. It was another fantastic call by Dan Campbell and his staff there late in the game um, to just take it. They continue to take risk. They continue to play at a high level, especially in the offensive side of the football. And they pull out the W to move on to 7-7. and And That is a playoff football team. I believe that is a playoff football team. Now we move on. Steelers, Panthers. Steelers are still in the playoff hunt. Panthers somehow, someway, still in the playoff hunt. They dropped to 5-9. and nine. But the Steelers worked their way up to 6-8. and eight. Mitch Trubisky, 17-22. Uh, no passing touchdowns. He added one on the ground. Jalen Warren got in the end zone for a touchdown. And Najee Harris, only 3.6 yards per carry. The typical below 4 yards per carry game from Najee Harris. But... In the end zone, the Steelers pull it out 24-16. to They were a dog coming into this one. They go to Carolina, win it outright. They beat Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold throwing for 225, 14-23 with a touchdown. Again, Trubisky, 17-22, high completion percentage there, 179 yards. Your typical Mitch performance, just don't make the mistakes. Deontay Johnson, 10 catches, almost 100 yards. Pickens had two for 53. He had a fantastic one. Down the sideline with great, great hands. I, again, this this is a solid win for the Steelers. They continue to find ways to hang around this 500 mark. Mike Tomlin um, is a great, great coach. Panthers, I, I, again, this is this is the NFC South. No, they've traded off a lot of pieces. The quarterback situation that a mess. This is not a playoff football team. The Panthers season may as well be done. It is. It is. And the second they trade, and, and why and why they continue to put DJ Moore through pain and suffering, I will never know. This team needs a full and complete reset once again. But the Steelers, you know, Kenny Pickett's hurt. They go back at Trubisky, still finding ways to to win football games. And again, they're still in the playoff hunt. Uh, the picture for them to get to the playoffs is tricky at best with the way the schedules and everything uh, play out. But it, there is still a possibility for not only this Pittsburgh Steelers, but the entire AFC North 
and I'll be interested to see how that plays out. But I think this season is an absolute success. You get Kenny Pickett, snaps. He's played well at times. Pickens, uh, I still think the future is very bright for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they've hung in there this year um, with a lot of adversity handled. So, again, shout out Mike Tomlin for the job that he's done this year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now time for one of the fun games of the afternoon. The Cowboys somehow still managing to clinch the playoffs through the commander's loss. But uh, good old Dak Prescott doing two interceptions now. The second one not really being his fault. Hit the dude straight in the chest. Needs to make that play. Not At the very least, not knock it into the air for the pick six and the walk-off. But the Cowboys, they, they led big in this one. They led big in this one. They're up 27-10, and the Jaguars just absolutely flipped the script from there and go on a tear to come back and win 40-34 on the walk-off pick six. Trevor Lawrence, his last four games, like 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, one pick. He's been incredible. Four touchdowns, 318 yards for him at the one pick. Uh, ETN over 100 yards on the ground. Zay Jones catching three touchdown passes. Uh, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram also having pretty decent uh, receiving days. CeeDee Lamb, 126 yards. Noah Brown had two touchdown catches, but obviously he had that big drop that led to the pick six by Dak Prescott. And it, it continues to be a head-scratcher with the Dallas Cowboys in terms of how well their defense can play at times and how good they can look offensively running the football. But uh, do we do we think Dak is the guy? Do we think that Dak can take them to that next level? And I think we all know the answer is that he can't. Dakota Prescott is not your guy um, to take the Cowboys to the next level. I said that second pick, not his fault, but still reality is there's – there's not there's that it factor is not there with Dak. I thought it was for a while. It is not there any it is not that's not that anymore. It was never there. The Dak it factor does not exist and as long as the Cowboys have him at the helm, I think they are handcuffed to a playoff team at best. On on the other hand, the Jaguars one of the hottest teams in football, and these are your eventual NFC South champions, because the Titans went on and lost again. And the Jaguars very much in the hunt to win the NFC South. And I think that that's their road to the playoffs. I think the Jaguars will, if they don't win out, will do enough to punch their ticket to the playoffs over the Tennessee Titans. So I just, it just doesn't look like they have it. It doesn't look like they're creative enough. It doesn't look like they're timely enough. The Jaguars are arguably the hottest team in football. And Trevor Lawrence is definitely the hottest quarterback in football. It, 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 it almost seems obvious. Um, so I, I like the Jaguars to eventually win the NFC South and, and run the table to the playoffs. And a big, big comeback win over the Cowboys is a has a huge hand in why I think that's going to be the case. Now, the Chiefs-Texans game, it was minus, I had them at minus 13.5. They did not cover that spread. It went to overtime. The Texans beat. Just, just getting oh so close again uh, before that Jarek McKinnon scamper into the end zone right after they fumble the football. Not only they fumble it, it came off of the guy's knee. He just knees the thing like 20 extra yards. 
Chiefs recover. Next play into the end zone. Walk off touchdown. Not much here. I, the Texans hanging tough for a couple weeks with the, with the, with the big boys. Um, covering spreads, but not winning games. Uh, Chiefs don't cover against the Broncos. They blow the big lead, and then they, you know, they still win, but they don't cover. Uh, Texans, they didn't exactly play a high level of football against the Texans either. Is it cause for concern? No, I still think the Chiefs are one of the best, if not the best team in the AFC. Broncos, Cardinals next. Toilet Bowl, brutal game. Both teams now four and ten. Broncos won it. Both backup quarterbacks. Actually, Trace McSorley got it. And he's the third stringer. Just, we're not going to touch that one. Patrick Sertan's a dog. I'll say that. But we're not really going to get it, though. Because the next one is oh so fun to get into. We've I've already touched on it. 172 yards for Ramondre Stevenson in the Patriots. Derek Carr in the Raiders, though. Come back. Or I should say Chandler Jones. The pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo. Disaster. Disaster. I, 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 I mean, they've lost so much faith in the Patriot way and so much faith in the system. And, and there's such a lack of discipline from this coaching staff that that is the results we are now getting when we watch New England Patriots football. And it is it's awful. It's awfully funny for me. I think it's hilarious. Um, but it's been long overdue. You know, the Patriots have had so much success for such a long time that when it was when it went bad, it was bound to. It was going to be fantastic, and that might just be the moment in which you look at it and be like, "Wow, they are broken. They're not the same." So the Raiders moved to six and eight. That Rams loss is really going to hurt them in their playoff chances. Um, still, I still think they have a chance at making it into the dance. I don't see it as likely now as much with the Rams loss. When they lost to the Rams, that's a brutal loss. Letting Baker go 98 yards like that. Uh, happy for Baker, but you know, I really did think that this Raiders team was going to sneak into the playoffs. They still very well could. Uh, I still think they can. I don't see it as likely at this point. Like I said, following that loss. But again, they, they, they probably got the most miraculous victory in sports history based off of the pure stupidity, lack of awareness, selfishness, lack of discipline from the New England Patriots. Just bad red zone offense again, just not executing inside the five-yard line. Blocked punts. And then the pitchy, pitchy woo-woo of death from the New England Patriots leads to a 30-21 view. Again, I had him at plus 2.5. Did not cover. There's the arguable catch, no catch, but I don't even think that that really plays into the fact of the matter that the Patriots did not execute. They did not execute in this football game by any means. And that sends us to Titans, Chargers. What a throw by Herbert to Mike Williams. The Titans are dead. I don't think they will recover. They just Ryan I, I Ryan Tannehill, this Titans team, I'm just not feeling the vibe. I'm not feeling the vibe. Chargers get their W. They're in the playoffs if it ended today. What a throw by Herbert to Williams there. 
to with like what 20 something seconds left and no timeouts big throw by jay herbo uh that interception that game too was wild um where the tennessee player batted the back in bounds um in the end zone into the half that was herbert's interception but i think herbert and herbert the other one they threw to buyer but at the end of the day big time play by a big time player in a big time moment gets the Chargers a victory they sit in a playoff spot at this current second then we got Bengals buccaneers the buccaneers 89 and 0. Tom Brady and his career went up 17 nothing. Oh, it's 89 and 1 now. They blew that lead. And they just, like the rest of the NFC South, just don't look interested in winning football games. And, you know, they, they go off and lose another. And any of those three teams go off and grab a W. Well, we got an interesting, we got something interesting brewing down south in the nfc so we'll see what the future is with nfc south i do not foresee a lot of good for the tampa bay buccaneers but they do have the best quarterback in the division which means that they probably will prevail joe burrow and the Bengals just doing the damn thing just doing the damn thing um again Jamar Chase had a touchdown reception. Tyler Boyd had a touchdown reception. Mitchell Wilcox as well, but also T. Higgins. So your big three all grabbed touchdown receptions. It was a tough day for the Tampa secondary once Tampa decided to start turning the ball over, fumbling snaps, fumbling handoffs, throwing interceptions, uh, not protecting the quarterback, and not getting open downfield. It was brutal. It was a brutal game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was a brutal, brutal second half um, for them. And it sends us to the Sunday night game that was plagued by two terrible calls, referee. Uh, Giants defeating the Commanders 20-12. to uh, Heineke trying to come back after it. Brian Robinson should have had a touchdown. Jahan Dotson, big game. You know, I mean, I think... I mean, Kivon Thibodeau dominated for the Giants. Like, that's really the big thing. The big thing for me was how well Kivon Thibodeau played with 12 tackles, 9 solo, 3 TFLs. The, uh, the strip sack, and then they're covered for the touchdown. He's fantastic. Uh, Saquon Barkley, just, he, he looks like his old self again. Just electric footwork, explosiveness. He really does look, he does look the part right now. How do you get a touchdown to the air, 17-29? Daniel Jones, whole lot of nothing. 10 carries, 35 yards, only 160 yards passing. Like Daniel, it wasn't Daniel Jones. It was it was Kayvon Thibodeau uh, on defense. It, it was with that uh, strip sack in recovery, and then really just from there, just a whole lot of field goals. That's that's what we had. That that's re- that's that's really it. I mean Saquon got in the end zone, but it was it was it was a Graham Gano game, especially late. They had the touchdowns the first half in the second quarter, and then just some field goals late um, to help out there. They had the twenty and fourteen. Uh, my 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 issue here is the referees, Terry McLaurin, in terms of the illegal formation flag. This is where you start to think if you watch the Operation Flagrant Foul on Netflix that there could be some shit going on. That stuff could be rigged. And the Brian Robinson touchdown comes off the board because the guy throws the flag. McLaurin checked with him twice. You can visibly see it. I'll have the video up. You can visibly see McLaurin checking with him. 
Am I good? Throwing the thumbs up. Am I good? Am I good? And, and the guy's saying, yeah. And then he throws the flag of the illegal formation because he wasn't on the line of scrimmage. That's what he's checking with him for. And it's clear that he acknowledges that. Yeah, hey, man, you're good. It wipes the Robins a touchdown off the board. It goes to fourth down. And then, after the five yards, they throw. It looks like clear pass interference. I mean, it's not the worst I've ever seen. I mean, I'm a Saints fan. I've seen worse. But, like, just two very, very strange bad calls. I mean, the the pass interference being more susceptible to, like, eh, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But the, the illegal formation thing is brutal. That's just brutal. Because he checked with the ref. And the ref said he was good. It's, it's clear acknowledgement there. Like, he moved forward good. Yeah, okay. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh, Brian Robinson's a dude, though. After, you know, he's, he gets shot this year, and he's out there balling out. Heineke trying to make plays happen. I was so, so, so just flabbergasted by that the interaction with the referee there. Just stupid. Just stupid. You know, do I think it was pass interference? Yeah, do I think that was the, that the big one is the referee just stiffing the the commanders for no good reason. No good reason at all. But anyways, Giants move 8-5 and 1. Commanders drop to 7-6 and 1. Both still sit in the playoff picture um at this moment. I I, 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 ah, God. I, I, you look at that, that line referee, man. That sideline referee that basically stiff McLaurin and Baltimore. It's, it's frustrated. Frustrated. I've been in that position. You just check. You're good. Whatever. You just give a thumbs up. Yep. Okay. Move your foot up. We'll tell you what the deal is. Looked like that was exactly the case. And then he just was waiting to throw that flag. And I do not understand why. Why he would do. Why? There was just zero need for it. But. Anyways, both still sit in the playoffs. They got some division games to play, so we'll see what the future holds for both of them. Haven't had many nice things to say about the Giants. Um, and still, Kayvon Thibodeau and Saquon Barkley. That's what you got. Thibodeau played out of his mind. And then Barkley just looks like his, the old the old self, the old dude. And then we, we close it out tonight. Baker Mayfield did not do all the spectacular that we saw against the Raiders. It was the Packers trusting their run game to a 24-12 victory over the Rams. They still have slim playoff hopes, but playoff hopes nonetheless at 6-8 and eight now. Rams out of contention. But I think they still had a chance of getting in. If they did win that game, it would have been about 5-9. and nine, and They somehow still would have been hanging around somehow, some way. But the Packers... They, uh, AJ Dillon, two touchdowns. Aaron Jones had one receiving as well. They utilized their, their backfield players. They have been utilizing the run game more, and they have found a lot of success in doing that. Aaron Rodgers trying to win out, trying to find a way into the dance. Slim chances, gonna need some help along the way. But the Packers still in the hunt and a pretty boring Monday night game, very completely honest and cold, cold Lambeau field. But they did a good job. The uh, defensively really disrupted what the Rams and Baker had going on, covering the spread as well. I mean, they, I mean, if you look at the pregame, they did a lot of basic stuff for Baker, a lot of two routes, a lot of max protection. So if you were 
Uh, a lot of play action. And if you were defensive coordinator, it seemed like it was pretty straightforward in terms of uh, in terms of preparation. And then that's exactly what the Packers went and did to Baker tonight. Playoff hope still alive, and Packers win twenty four to twelve. Last but not least, maybe the most entertaining World Cup of all of all time of all time. Like I, one of the most entertaining soccer games ever. Mbappe with the hat trick, but it wasn't enough. Messi also adding two goals. So the hat trick from Mbappe all in the second half. Messi in extra time, but then the late penalty from Mbappe. Argentina take a 4-2 on penalties. Uh, what a fantastic game it was. A lot of people upset that it went to penalties, that it ends in penalties, doesn't end up play. It's not the first goal wins. Uh, we've had golden goal before, but, I mean, just what a tournament. Emiliano Martinez for Argentina. He's been wildly entertaining. Uh, the goalkeeper... Uh, where does this rank for you guys in terms of your World Cups? I even know some people that you know aren't big soccer people that watch the World Cup final, and you know, they're pretty, pretty turned. They're pretty tuned in. They're, they're turned up by this, uh, and they might be watching a little more soccer in the future. Again, just this is this solidifies Lionel Messi as the goat. He is unequivocally the greatest ever. This is the last like hurdle for him and he's done it he now has that world cup um just incredible to see comes from a small town in argentina undersized just what a player though he's fantastic and again this is the last thing to really add to his resume and he's done it now and everybody wants to argue neymar ronaldo whoever maybe and mbappe has the foundation set at the age that he has to overcome um any of those guys that I just said. But right now, Messi holds the top spot. And you know, no no, one's really close anymore now with the World Cup title for Messi. Um, and I don't want to sit here and argue it. You know, I don't want to sit... I, I think everybody needs to just appreciate the fact that we're living... We're all living in the time we get to see uh, these great players. And two of the greatest ever. And Ronaldo and Messi. And, but Messi just gets the edge now for me. And I'm Portuguese. But Messi gets the edge now for me. Uh, fantastic to watch, and, and just in, an incredible game overall. Martinez made that huge, huge save in extra time as well. Um, just overall, that was the beautiful game, as beautiful as it can be played. Like that's the beautiful game. If you couldn't enjoy watching that game, then you really can't enjoy the sport. Like there's no, there's no way for you to get into it. That was the peak of the game of soccer right there, and, and Messi. Being at the pinnacle of it, it was beautiful, and very happy for Lionel Messi and the Argentinian national team. And, and again, if you're a U.S. fan, watch that. You know, you're nowhere close. Like we watched the U.S. in the World Cup this year. I'm obviously rooting for them, um, and just hoping that they can progress. And just they're just not there. They're not anywhere close to these teams on this national stage. But see where we stand in 2026. We just got to get good enough to get lucky enough in our home country but that's that's it that's it that's all we got today i'm sorry i was kind of short on the world cup kind of ran out of time here it was too heavy on football we'll structure these better in the future i feel like i was just kind of recapping but you know i'll get my thoughts here or there but i feel like i can get 
in more in-depth with takes and that, that's what I'm gonna focus on especially you know with the time that I have now uh, but I appreciate everybody for tuning in thank you for the calls please continue to bring those calls in uh, really looking forward to interacting with you guys more in the future um, hope everybody enjoyed this episode I, really, I don't think I got anything else social medias follow the social medias other than that support Rufus signing off yeah. Oh. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next?